wonderful thing to have forgiveness of sins. We thank the Lord for that. Amen. I'm just going to go directly to the Word tonight. Just thank you for the musicians. We're just going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 34. If I can just make an announcement, there will be a prayer meeting at 7.30 on Tuesday, December 19th. That's this week. We normally have that in the church basement. You're welcome to join in and uh, just to come before the Lord and, and share our hearts and burdens in prayer. And there are always prayer requests. I'll share another one a little later, the end of the service today. But uh, let's just start the service here. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 34. And we took Deuteronomy 1 and 3. This is at the end of the book. And this is Moses. Now he's, he has led Israel out, but he's brought them into an atmosphere or a mindset or a preparation of what things have been, what things have been a detriment in the journey, that they may learn, that they may take an example. And now we go to verse 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea, and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed, and I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over hither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Now that would seem really sad just to leave it that way. But let's just read in one more verse here if we can. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. Beth Peor, yeah. No man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And you can go in the book of Jude and you find the devil disputing with Michael the angel saying about the death of Moses. But you know what? Moses showed up when Jesus came to a Mount Transfiguration experience. God never forgot him. In fact, God used him and even helped the Lord in his corporal body, told him the things that would come. But Moses was going to be a witness. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight to come together. Lord, we appreciate just everyone coming. We are thankful for the word. We're thankful for the singing. Thankful, Lord, just to be able to open the Bible. What a privilege for a mortal being who was once lost, who was once in darkness, who was once in sin, but now can stand and read of eternal things. Lord, of a surety, Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. So we find ourselves in these pages, Lord. Everything about our past, everything of our present, everything of our future, Lord, it is in this Bible. We thank you in the end time, your promise, Lord, to bring us back to all that Adam has lost. Lord, all the land that we have lost spiritually, you promised would be restored. 
And now we stand, Lord, on the threshold. We see it coming into view one more time, Lord, as we just get ready for the final crossing. The saints of all the ages gathering, and Lord, there's a great multitude. But now, Lord, we stand here yet remaining, and we ask, oh Lord, speak to us from your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. We'll take this as part two. Of, of governed by a higher order, the land coming into view, and if we can. I'm going to go directly to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, and uh, we'll, we'll just take this, and we'll take a few other scriptures after this as we just go along here, but Galatians chapter 5, let's just start reading, uh, if we can, from verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So we don't, we don't want to go in. Israel was given a prophet. Israel was given prophets, but yet they desired the law. It was at, uh, at Kadesh Barnea. God had given them an opportunity, and they said, no, we're not going to take it. We want it our way. But we don't, we, we've come to a place where we're letting everything go. We're putting our trust in the Lord for everything that goes ahead of us. He is the chief captain. He is leading us. He is leading the individual. He is leading the church. He is leading the body of Christ. A prophet is gone, but there's no one man. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God that is leading us. So Paul would say, I, Paul, I say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do, to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect to you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So he's moving us from the law, from what man can do. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, as, as Moses was teaching the children of Israel, he said, the land you were in was a land where, where it was a land of irrigation, where man would bring things and, and you, would, you would work the land and you'd bring water and that's how you would do it. But the land you're going into is a land that God cares for. It's a land that God watches over. It's a land where he brings the former and the latter rain, where God is watching over us. So that's not a natural land, but it's a spiritual land. And God gives us everything we need for the journey. So here as Paul is speaking to the Galatians, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Now you can have faith, but real genuine faith is governed by the love of God. So we want to just follow that thought through a little bit from where we were at this morning. I, I want to uh, just read this first of all, and I, I want you to think for a moment of what Adam had before the fall. And this is Brother Branham speaking in the fundamental foundation for faith. Well, God made man in the beginning. He made him superior to anything on earth. 
He gave him jurisdiction of everything on earth. He controlled animal life. He controlled the fowl life. He controlled the fishes of the sea. He controlled the winds. I dare say he even controlled the mosquitoes. I, I just put that in because sometimes that's an irritant. But he controlled plant life. He controlled everything. God was made as a second, man was made as a secondary God on earth. He could, he was given power to control all things. That was Adam was given these powers. And that power was given to make himself is where he fell. Now, he says, Adam could speak and the winds would obey him. To the trees they would obey him. Wildlife, waters, everything obeyed Adam. After the fall, he lost that power. He became unconscious of it. And after losing his relationship and friendship and fellowship with the Father, then he lost that. Now look at the order. He walked with God. God communed with him. Adam caught the thoughts of God. He was a son of God. He was the offspring of God. But when that oneness was broken, when it was broken between him and his wife, and it was broken between him and God, that's when he lost his power. So in order to come back to the power, you need to come back to a oneness first. We sometimes want to come back where, well, we're going to have the power to speak things in existence. Well, thank God that he governs that. And he doesn't give it to us because I dare say we would misuse that a little bit. Until we come into full relationship. Until we come to the place that Adam was where he fell. So he says, now, Adam, he lost that, and he couldn't get through. Now, he would say, Adam never had to be sick. He never had to die. Now, just think of these thoughts. He never had to worry. Could you imagine waking up tomorrow morning and not having to worry? Okay, this, I know this is really far out there. But this is what Adam lost. He never had to worry. Now, listen, I, I, you, you all don't know Brother Ed uh, the way he was when he was a young man and, and he was away from the Lord. And, and, but hey, there was mornings I woke up and I wondered if the cops were going to be knocking on the door. Oh, wow. That's a good example for the pastor. No, it's true. That's where I was. And God didn't want me there. And thank God I'm not there. But, but let, not to have to worry. Could you imagine this? He says, now, he never had to worry. He never had a heartache. Oh, we sing the song. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. You know, you have them. We have them. They're around us. But you know what? Christ bears them for us. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our burdens to share. Oh, what needless pain and heartache we bear because we don't bring it to him in prayer. Oh my, if, if we recognize the release we have.
You know, you can, you can have an, a trial or an issue, but you can kneel on your knees in the morning and you can absolutely enter into relationship with God that whatever happens, I know I am in fellowship with my Redeemer and He is in control of all of my life. He's control of everything I go through. Every trial, it's not without purpose. It has a reason. It's doing something. It's molding me. It's making me what I ought to be. And you know, just to rest in that. Oh, that is a wonderful place to be. Oh, it takes the sting, as Paul would say. He takes the sting out of death. You know, Paul would come to the end of his journey. Oh, death. Where is your sting? Nothing can harm me. Oh, what can separate me from the love of God through Christ Jesus? That's not too far off where I believe God is taking us. I want to walk in that, don't you? Amen. We live below our privileges. And so he would say, now here was Adam. He never had fear. He just climbed into the arms of the Father and just like a child, everything was his. And whatever he asked, he just got it. Everything obeyed him because he was God's child and the child is heir of all things. So that, that was a wonderful place. Now you say, well, that's Adam, the fall. We're here today. Now let's just take the next part of this. Now when man fell, he lost this. But what he lost in the fall... Christ came as a redeemer. What has Christ redeemed us for? To give us everlasting life. To give us eternal fellowship and relationship. To be his sons and daughters again. To restore all, all that Adam lost in the fall. Oh my, if, if we could just catch a little bit of that. He came to bring that back to us. You know, we can, we can revel and say, oh, the mysteries are restored. Oh, the, we've got all of these things. But if we don't have him, if we don't have comfort, if we don't have peace, we don't really have that much. It needs to come right down to where we're at. I am his child. I know he's working for me. Whatever happens, I know he's got it in control. But he said, all of these things has clogged our brain and its outlet, business affairs, home life, domestic things become so clogged that God can't operate through these channels. Now the prophet would say in Christ the mystery of God revealed, why do you hunger why do you thirst? It's the Father trying to get you back to this place that you were at in the beginning. So that's, why, why do we have a hunger? Because it's actually there. Because what God wants to give it, for, give it to us. You know, if we could recognize this, Brother Branham would say that, that Job, as long as the devil could get him to believe that God was against him and this whole trial was God's punishment, he said he had Job whipped. But when he could recognize that actually God was using Job and he was testifying of him before the devil, when he recognized and when God finally came back to Job and he says, now Job, gird yourself up like a man, quit complaining. 
Where were you when the sons of God shouted for joy? He brought them back to where a remembrance of where he really was. I've always had you in my mind. I always will. And when he brought them back to that, then Job, what did he do? Look at what it brought out in Job. Job 42, this is one of the most beautiful scriptures. Job had these three guys that were supposed to be friends. You know, if you have friends like Job's friends, I will say to you, just check your phone directory and see if you can find a few other names. Because that's not good friends. Somebody that'll visit you in the hospital. You know, I know you're going through this because you sinned. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And you're without sin? Yeah, yeah I'm without sin, right. And you know, you know, the reason all of these things are happening is because really, you know, I know you've been coming to church, I know you've been boasting, but I know that there's something hidden, and we're going to find it. Oh, thanks a lot. But out of all of that, look at what God did with Job. Job chapter 42, verse 5. And, and when he did that, look what it manifests in Job's life. And the scripture says, and when Job prayed for his friends. When he manifested perfect love, what happened? God returned his captivity. He gave him his sons back. He gave him his daughters back. Why? When the fullness of God came back, that's when everything was restored to him. Oh, let's go there. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the mysteries, but oh God, bring my character up to where it needs to be. Bring my, bring my love, bring my, my, my humanity, bring it in sync with the channel of the Holy Ghost in this last day. So he would say, now, let me just read this part. The brothers, I think Brother Tim touched on it, but it says, now Satan, by the laws of sin and death, makes everything sin and death. And he says, it's brought to operate to Satan, he sends a cancer. Man recognizes it, receives it. Now, now look, at it. It, it, it doesn't do no good until you recognize it, until you, you, you believe it. That's when it becomes effective. But, you know, and, and you can say, well, no, it's real. But you know what? Satan sends it. But if we could recognize more real than the cancer he sends is the Savior that's already provided, is the healing that's already provided. And, and an angel came to the prophet in this last day, and he would say to the prophet, if you get the people to believe. Now, I, I'm, I, I will get into another service, but, but he, you know, what is the distraction Everybody got caught up with the sign. Everybody got caught up with the first sign. Oh, this is wonderful. This is this. But the commission was, if you get the people to believe. And you'll find that in, in, as I was with Moses, the prophet says, I've leaned too heavy on the signpost. I am going back to the commission. And the commission is, if I can believe. How were you saved? You believed God. You took him at his word. How do you walk with God? You just believed him and you keep going higher. How are we going to go in a rapture? Because I believe that he's going to be there for me. He was there for the Hebrew children. He was there for Elijah. He was there for Moses. He's going to be there for us. He was there for Enoch. I just believe God. He's not going to leave without me. 
In fact, the very reason that a bomb hasn't hit America yet is because I'm still here. And until I'm gone, there's nothing going to happen here. Oh, if the city and the country would only recognize it. The prime minister would call and say, hey, don't leave yet. We don't need any bombs from Russia falling here. But the power we have and faith as a son and daughter of God, oh, if we could recognize it, if I could recognize it. So he says, now, if Satan by his power can make his laws work in man, how much more ought God with his power and his laws work in man? If Satan can make his laws be sure and recognize it, how much more can God send to his children to be recognized his people of divine healing, of revelation, of power, of gifts, and manifestations of the Spirit. The law of sin and death works in people. The law of liberty of Christ has come out to set us free of those things. Let's walk in liberty. Let's walk. It's the year of Jubilee. It's not, uh, it, it, the sound has already been heard. When the, when the emancipation of proclamation, that was the abolishment of slavery came. Listen, the slaves were somewhere down in the valley. It was still the nighttime. They still had to work. But they knew at dawn. And they knew at dawn that there was coming a cry. And they were waiting for dawn. And in fact, they were so excited. They didn't wait down in the valley where the sun wasn't going to hit till like 9.30, 10 o'clock. They had some climb up the mountain and they got to the top of the mountain and as soon as they saw the sin the cry came down the sun has risen that we are free and they would move and act on that freedom before the sun actually was in their face because the dawn had risen Friends, I would like to say the message we have is not just a message of knowledge, but it is a message of freedom, of deliverance. It is a message that Adam's race has been groaning for, waiting for, and it's been given to us. I don't want to just leave it idle. I want to know what it says. God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 13, walk the land. Walk it from this end to this river. Walk the land. It's all yours. Start walking on it. Oh, I, I don't know if healing's for me. I'll just start walking on it. I don't need to wait for it. Walk it. Listen, the Antifada or whatever their cry is from the river to the sea. If you actually ask most people, what does that mean? I don't know from the river to the sea. Well, actually, it means everything. It means Gaza. It means Israel. It means the West Bank. It means everything. But they don't even know that. And sometimes we don't even know what God has given us. But say, oh God, you've given it to me. Why should I be robbed when you've purchased it for me? Let me take what you have given me. If, if God thought so much to have a prophet climb a mountain... Begin to tell us and show us the things that are to come to pass. How much more ought we to be able to say, let's start walking in it. Moses, he never did cross, but he climbed the mountain to see where it was. And he knew it was there and he would come back. So here Abraham was told, he says, go walk it. And then in fact, if you go further, and we'll come to it, but if you go further in Joshua... Now God tells Joshua, go and describe the land. 
That's what Paul did. That's what the apostles and the writers in the Old Testament, they described it. They, they put it accurately. This is mine. This is yours. This is, and it was divided. I, I say, let's, let's, let's walk in it. How, I, I don't want to just be a bystander. Listen, I played basketball. I played football. And you know what? There was times you sat on the bench and, and you just watched the game and you watched all the people. But you had to be ready. Because when the coach called you, hey, this guy's gone down, get in the game. And you were going, oh, sorry, I was just thinking about what I was doing after. Like, okay, just sit down then, don't go in the game. Be in the game. You don't know when you're gonna get called. That you're gonna step up, I'm gonna go in the game. My goodness. You know, do you ever, <laughs> do you ever watch sometimes these, I, I don't know, just these, these college games. I, I watched this, this one game, and it was, they had this autistic manager that he was a, he, 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 he helped the, the team, but he could never play. He, was, he had autism and, and such, and it was the last game of the season, and, and the coach said, we're going to put him in. If, if we're in the lead and we got five minutes left, we're couldn't put him in the game. You can, you can watch this. It's just, it's, it, I just teared up when I watched it. So they put him in the game. Now, this guy had helped the whole team the whole year, carried the basketballs, carried the towels, the laundry, did everything. He was the manager, did all these things. Now he gets a chance to put on the uniform. And in the last five minutes, he goes in the game. And as he goes in the game, he just takes a shot and it goes in. And he takes another shot. You should have seen the players on the sideline. They're just jumping up and down. Wow, he scored 20 points in five minutes. And everybody was jumping up and down. The coach is crying. The players are jumping. The game is over. Everybody rushes on the court and swarms this guy. He was into the game. <laughs> uh, listen, I think we're in a place where, hey, if God wins a victory, let's be in the game. Let's rejoice if I'm not the star. Listen, that guy did nothing all year, but for five minutes, he caught everybody. <laughs> anyway, I kind of like basketball, and that was a good story, but you can, you can look it up. It's tremendous. It just, you just break out. Anyway, we're in the game. <laughs> well, I just came in. I just was born into this... It doesn't matter where you are. Brother Dan, I think you are right on board with what you said. We're all a part of it. The song this morning, this is a story. Every detail. We're in this story. Oh, man. Aren't you glad to be part of it? Okay. So if, man, if Satan can do those things, how much more ought God to do this law of sin and death? Now, listen. to This is just what Brother Branham says. Now. I believe this all with all my heart. I believe we're nearing the age when people are going to recognize these things. You know, sometimes God takes us through seasons. And there's times when you just seem like you're going against the wall, you're hitting the wall, nothing's happening. But then it's like you hit a channel and you kneel down to pray, and you know your very prayer is being heard and is making a difference. You know that, hey, I'm holding back what Satan's trying to do to my family. 
I'm holding back the spirits that are trying to come against us. I'm, I'm, you, and you know that God is hearing you. That's exactly what we have been called to. What are we? We're living in the adoption, the maturing of sons. That's why the earth is groaning. If the earth is groaning, there's got to be some sons then daughters that are coming into place somewhere. I believe we're in that season. I don't believe that we're going to be waiting forever for this to happen and that to happen. But I want to be found in that channel. And I say, Lord, let me be governed by it. Let me be overtaken by it. And you know what? We're not waiting for events. We actually are going to bring it on. We're going to bring on the resurrection. We're going to bring it on with people. Why? Because it's in us. It's a part and parcel of heaven and earth coming together. Now, he will say, I believe we've had so much vain philosophy and teaching until it has set the human mind on a revolution and away from the things of God. But he says, faith doesn't come by fasting, praying, or reading a book. Those are all good. But it's something settled in the human heart. That's why I believe in being in the message. There are things that God has made real to me that no devil is going to take out of my heart. Things pertaining to my salvation. Things pertaining to my walk. Things pertaining to my family. And I'm going to hold to those things. And I'm not going to let go of those things. And he says now. We become accustomed to the laws of Satan. It becomes natural to us. But if we could throw ourselves completely to God and to his will and be lost to our own thoughts and let the mind of Christ be in us, then the same operations of the Spirit would work through us just as natural things does. Now, Brother Cadre was here, and there was three things. How many remembers what they are? Okay, you don't remember what they are. You're putting the pressure on me to remember what they are. <laughs> Get in your car, right? That was one of them. Hear his voice, that was another one. I, I got two, what's the third? There we go. <laughs> so three things, now that's natural. Okay, now if we could say, I can come to church, I can expect healing. I can come to church, I can expect the Spirit of God. I can expect the cloud that's over my mind. I can expect God to unleash faith. Just be that natural. I don't know what God will do, but I know I'm coming to church. My heart is ready. Well, Lord, whatever you want, I'm here, Lord. And Lord, if it's not for me and it's for someone else, I'm putting my shoulder to the wheel. I don't need to be just about me. I'll sometimes, if, if the pastor, if somebody's on, on water baptism, I'll put my shoulder to the wheel if it helps somebody else. We're here for one cause, and the cause is Christ. Okay, now, <coughs> let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. No, sorry. Did I say 2 Timothy, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 6. I always love Timothy because it talks about Paul recognizing a faith that was in him that was in his grandmother, his mother. He says in verse 6, Therefore I put thee in remembrance 
that you stir up the gift of God. So there was something that as a result of his grandmother's faith, his mother's faith, and God saw that, that was, was in Timothy. You know, the Bible will say that, that God, God the, the iniquity of the fathers follows in the, the children down to the third and the fourth generation, but there's also the goodness and the blessings of God. Phineas, because of one act, his generations were blessed forever after him. So we fall into a channel. We know that's there. And he says, now, Timothy, stir up this gift, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. And he says, now, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So fear rules the world. Men's hearts are failing for fear. Fear can rule believers. You can get into a channel where you're worried about everything and, and, and the devil will come and he will, the Bible says, be not afraid of sudden fear. In other words, the enemy will come and he will make a situation and he will magnify it so bad. You'll say, everybody thinks about you, everybody knows about you, everybody's this about you and you're going, oh my goodness. When in reality, it's not even that. And we can govern ourselves by what everybody thinks, and we say, God help me. It matters what you think, not what everybody thinks. And Lord, as long as my thoughts are on you, as long as I'm desiring the things that are you, all the rest will take care of itself. So what is the power? It says the power of love and of a sound mind. My, where can you find that these days? The prophet would say, the only place we're actually going to find love in the end time is within and amongst the bride. But the power of a sound mind, there is no book in the, in the, in the world that is going to give you uh, a clarity and a, and a peace like this book, like the message, the tapes we put on. Sometimes I'm, I'm troubled and I'll just slip, we call it a tape, but I'll just slip on a digital recording, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on, and just you hear that voice, and as you begin to hear it just a little bit, oh, it calms, it soothes, it's, it's a reassurance, I know in whom I have believed. It's all going to be fine, it's all going to be well. He's in control, everything's okay. So it, it's, it's there to help us. Fear is the greatest thing that the world is ruled by, but love is greater than that. Now, I, I, I appreciate the message that we've been given because under the message, I believe God has begun to show, like to Abraham, you're walking on the land, you're doing things. And, and early in the prophet's ministry, here he was, was a game warden, he was walking, there was a killer bull, and, and, and he forgot that it was sold to a certain piece, to a man who had a certain property, and he said, I forgot it was there, I was going over to pray for somebody, and I started walking across the field, and I recognized that killer bull was there. And that killer bull was there, now he was a man, what was the first thing he did? He reached for his gun. But he left his gun in, in the truck or the car or whatever it was, and it wasn't there. And, and, and he said something came over him. He didn't understand what it was, but he said instead of being fearful of that bull, instead of hating that bull, that bull, I just began to, to have a love and an appreciation for him. Now, that, that may sound strange. Brother Branham said he loved animals. 
He, he would walk somewhere and there was these dogs and he says they were German shepherds but he walked in the yard. They didn't come to him uh, barking at him because he wasn't afraid of them. He loved them. Animals can sense it. If animals can sense it, what about human beings? They can sense that we love them or that we have an odd against them. It works both ways. That's why let's walk in love as little children, as it becomes us. Let's walk in love. So the prophet would, would go and he'd say, here he comes to this bull. He left it in the truck. And he says, I forgot about this. I mean, looked back at the fence. He said it was too far to run. And he says, there was no tree to get in. So he's looking for all his options. And he says, and there I was standing there. And he says, something happened. Oh, I wish it would happen all the time. I, I can't do it. But when I see a real tremendous sick case, something happens. It's not man. It's when God gets a hold of man and when it's consecrated. And he would say, when you're on the platform, watch what takes his place. When evil spirits come, I surrender to the Holy Spirit and something takes place. He comes in. He takes over. Watch how he controls it. What is the gift? You can answer. It's okay. What is the gift? Getting out of the way. How, what, what do you got to get out of the way? Human, humanity, self, our own thoughts, our own opinions. Just yield to it. And then God takes care of it. He said, it's not, it's ma it's not man. He says, here's this pull, bull 20 yards from me. He rose up. He had them great big long horns. Now it seemed strange, instead of hating that bull, I loved him. I wish I could explain it. But let me tell you, you'll never come in contact with a greater force in this life than love. Do not try to conquer demons by kicking them. I just love God. Love is what God is. God is love. Love moves God. God so loved the world. It's love. Love is what conquers. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, read, well, I'm, I'm reading from, you know, John the Revelator, and he's got this, this good teaching on the book of Revelations, but he's also got this teaching in the book of John, which is equally important. Let's have love, he says. And he kept coming as hard as I could, and I thought, poor, poor fella, I'm on his ground, I oughtn't be here. And, and I says, look fella, you're God's creative being, I'm God's servant, I'm on the road to pray one of, for one of God's people. I'm in service. I'm sorry I disturbed you. Now you go back in the name of the Lord Jesus and lay down. I won't be bothered you. And he says, friends, we're so scared. We're, we're scared. What are we afraid of? And he would say, now notice this bull as he rushed towards me. He ran within five feet of me. Oh, wow. You know, if my wife would have been with me and I was out there, I probably would have been hiding behind her. <laughs> well, maybe not. Because sometimes there's a spider in the house and there's a shriek. And she says, ah, there's a spider in the house. Yeah, I know. It's just wanting to, it's, well, anyway, I take care of it. So, and he says, he walked within, he ran within five feet of me. And he looked so depleted. He looked one way and the other, and then he turned around. This way, that way, turned around, went and laid down. And then he says, I went over, I got across the field, I came to myself. And he said, what happened? And I began to weep. 
and raise my hands and praise God. What was it? God coming into his servant. Friends, the land that Adam fell from, where there was perfect peace, it's coming in view. It's not far from us. I believe it's raising up in the bride. I, you know, there's times that we, we come to it. We don't always live there. But I believe there's times when we, we actually begin to reach out. And we begin to enter in to our brothers and sisters' need. There's no greater thing. I love how Brother Cadre brought it. What are we sowing to? Do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Sow to that. Give to that. You have no idea what you may be doing. But out of love, you just give to it, hoping for nothing. Just because it's what God does, he ministers to his body. There was a number of cases that that would all have, but you know, as long as, as, as we can get to a place now, what is it? Perfect trust, perfect love, perfect faith. Faith worketh by love. We know the story of the hornets and, and how he was running his moor. It was the same thing. We know the story of the maniac in Portland and how that maniac came running up to him. Here he was, 250, 60 pounds, and he says, I'll break every bone in your body. And he said he could do it. But I didn't hate him. I loved him. I felt sorry for him. He was bound. I didn't have to scream. And he said, I found myself saying, Satan, come out of the man. What operated that? Love operated that. Now, li listen. We, we, we can operate in whatever role we have. And, and we, we can operate in a measure but we'll never operate in the way we should until we actually get perfect love. I, I remember how at different intervals and one thing even Brother Harold would said that struck out of me, he says, you'll never be used of God as effectively as you can until you can rejoice when God uses somebody else like he would use you. Because then you've got to a place of perfect love. Then it's not about self. It's not about being self-centered. It's not about, if I, well, look what I did. And you know what? We, we can get just a little bit religious and we can say, oh, you should come to our church and see what we have. I'll tell you what, we haven't arrived yet. Because that is not the Spirit of God. That is not perfect love. Now, if, if, if it is done with a sense of pride and with a sense of that, it is not God, but it is, you know what? Wherever you go, God bless you. I wish you would prosper. And, and if you come here, God bless you. May you prosper here. May you do whatever you do. Perfect love. We're talking about maturity. God help us to mature. Brother Branham would say, if you really in your heart love people, they know it. You can't fool people. They're not that dumb. My, my, my. <laughs> he says, you can make out like you do, but they can tell you're putting it on. And Satan can tell when you're putting it on. But he knows when it's real. <laughs> And the only way, now you might be able to impersonate it, but he says, 
You'll never get the job done until you come into Christ. That's right. Perfect, consecrated, godly love, sold out lock, stock, and barrel. Come to Christ. That's true. I, I, love, I love how this comes, comes across. Let's, let's just... Uh, I got, I got to move ahead a little bit here just to do it. But, you know, in Exodus, and I, I'm just trying to relate this a little bit to this morning. But in Exodus, it says the word was not mixed with faith. They allowed carnality. They allowed fears. They allowed natural human things. That, and, you know, like uh, Moses, you know, you're taking too much upon yourself. Dathan and Korah, who do you think you are? You think you're righteous and, you know, no respect for God's order. No respect for what God was doing. But that was what rose up. That was the mixed multitude. And, and there were situations, there was pressures that drove them to that. There was no water. There, they had manna. They had, they, they, they had all these different things. And under pressure, people will say and do things that manifest what's really inside of them. So under pressure, they began to come carnally. They began to have fear. You know, these armies are greater than our armies. These people, there's, there's more enemies than there is. But you know what? God already had told them. He told them in the book of Exodus, you're going to come into land and there are people that are greater than you, mightier than you, but I have loved you and I'm going to give you this land. And they believed God and they took him at his word. That's the way I want to take it. Lord, why did you call me in a time of COVID? Why did you call me when there's atomic bombs in the hangars? Why did you call me when there's immorality? Why did you call me when there's homosexuality? How can I raise my children? How can I do all this? And you know, before we know it, we're living in... A, a realm of fear, just like they did back then. But if we keep our eyes on the promise, if we say, Lord, you called me. You started the work. You knew my children. You knew everything about it. And I will believe you. And I will trust in you, though I can't see it. Now, let, let's just go to First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Let's pick it up. Verse 7. Did I give you that? Verse 7? Thank you. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now, we can come to where we come to. We can see predestination in our lives. We can see all of these things. And yet we can still not be made perfect. Because we can feel like with the love that God has given us, we're just a little bit extra special. <laughs> I'm just trying to give the, you know. And you can walk down the street just like, but you know what? What is wrong with recognizing the love of God, Brother Marshall, to somebody that is coming to your thing? He doesn't hate them. He loves them. And he would want that all men would be saved. Now, not all men will be, but God loves them. Now, he, he doesn't love sin, but he loves the sinner. And we need to recognize, 
just because we've been given some love, and if you've been called to this higher order, there's a certain level of conduct that we need to come into. And it's not like strutting about, like, like we've got something. No, in fact, the greatest example we have love in a man is the prophet of God to this hour. He didn't come out and say, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm this and this. No, he walked in what God made him, but he was always ready to reach out, always ready to, to help someone. And, and that was really a model of who Jesus Christ was. One of, the, one of the greatest testimonies is the prophet in the car accident, and here he's in the car accident at the time of his death. His wife is sick. He leans over, to, or she may have been dead, they said. He leans over to pray for her, prays for Joseph. He, he prays, and then an, a, an, a paramedic moves him, and he screams out in pain. And then he says, oh, I'm sorry. You didn't know that I was, I was hurting there. Man, he had every right to yell, whoa, what are you doing? And we think, we're at this place? You want to see the epitome of the adoption of a man? That is, that is what it was. You want to see another one? Look at Calvary. Look at Jesus Christ hanging on a cross. Here he is paying the sins of the world. His humanity is stretched out. He's hanging on a cross. He's up here, and he's got a thief on the left and on the right. And, and he said, Hey, you know, one is yelling at him and railing at him. And the other one says, Lord, remember me. He says, don't you see what I'm going through? What you, how am I going to remember you? No, he says, today. He reaches over. In the moment when he was being stretched to his infancy, today you'll be with me in paradise. Sometimes we feel like we got every right to yell out, do whatever we want. But I say, oh God, take us more into the love of Jesus. Deeper, higher, more like you, O oh Lord. Why? When you, when you go on the street, you're not, just, you're not just thinking of yourself. It's not all about who I am. Oh, I mean, we can't help it. Sometimes we got some deep things we're going through. But you always are there ready to help. And I, I pray that God gives us that. The people we encounter at school, the people we encounter in our workplaces, and in our communications. You know, if we can be Jesus, if we can be Christ to them. Oh, this is, this, is, this is really not what I thought, Brother Ed. But I'm saying is we're governed by something higher. It's not just us. It's God expressing himself through us. Okay, well, uh, Brother Ed, that's beneath me. Okay, there's the prophet of God. He's, he's now caught seven angels in a cloud. He's got the mysteries. He's got all of these things. And God sends a possum to his door. A possum. An animal. Hey, maybe he hasn't sent an animal to our door. And maybe he has. But maybe he sent somebody that's needy across our path. Are we too far up here? You know what? If we really have a gift... Sometimes we, 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 work, we work the revelation, the gift, we're way up here, but the character to operate sometimes is down here. God, bring these two together. Bring them to the place where I can be humble, I can be used, and if I choose not to be used, then I can step back and I can rejoice when God uses somebody else. Oh, that, that you, know, you know, you can get jealous so easy. Ah, why, 
why did Brother Andrew preach that? I was ready to use that scripture. Man. I'll just make, I get all my scriptures out before I schedule them again. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Thank God he caught it. Thank God Brother Max caught it. Thank God that it's a blessing. We rejoice. It's, it, it's not about just the guy carrying the ball. I'm blocking. I rejoice as much as the one that, that scored the touchdown. I'm part of it. And by the way, I've done it to them more than they've done it to me. So, Isn't that true, Brother Andrew? Oh, man. Why did you have to say amen so quickly? <laughs> he says, now... Verse, verse 9, in this was manifested the, God, the love of God toward us because that God has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells on us and his love is perfected. Now just, just go back to the scripture we used in Genesis chapter 17. God said to Abraham, he said, Abraham... Walk before me and be perfect. So he's saying now his love is perfected. In other words, there is degrees of love that we walk in. We walk in filial love. We, maybe we were in the world. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Maybe we were cursing, swearing, jealous, fornicators, adulterers. But then God brought us to his banqueting table. And we started to walk in, in a level of God's love. Maybe we walk in filial love as we raise our children. Maybe we walk in filial love to the brethren. But now God's saying, there's a greater love. There's a love that can be perfected. It goes beyond just doing good to those that do good to you. It, it means sometimes praying for the one that, that you may think has an odd against you, or you may, it's, it's about being in love with everyone. You know, without guile, little children, <laughs> be like little children without guile. You know what? They just love, and you know what? You don't have to give them a candy bar sometimes. Just, but you know what? You, you, you can, they, they'll, just, they'll, they'll work for hours building like a castle in the sand or something. And then when they're done, they'll kick it over and they'll run and laugh and go away. And I think, what in the world? You destroyed this thing. But they're kids. You know what? Be like little children. Well, let's just rejoice in our Heavenly Father. So here he says, his love is perfected. Have we attained? God is helping us, but we're not really quite there yet sometimes. You know what? Uh, you know what? He's still working on me. Took him a week to make the moon and the sun, but he's still working on me. You know, I thought I was doing pretty good until I came across this, this person that said such and such, and I blew up. Okay, start over, Lord. Work with me. I'm sorry. Brother Ed, you need a lot of help in some things. Amen. Yes, I know I do. Thank you. Yeah, I do. And I'm saying, God help me. God help us all. And he says, he says, hereby we know that he, that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. Let's drop down to verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Where's your love made perfect? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, 
so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear has torment. You know the antidote for fear? Fall in love with Jesus. You know the antidote for worrying about tomorrow? Fall in love with Jesus. I know not what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. I don't know if I'm going to live or die. I don't know if I'll be this, but I know I'm in his hands. I know that whatever he do, does, it will be good for me. I've trusted in him, and I will continue to trust in him. You know, the Hebrew children came to a place where they couldn't do anything about the situation. And all they could say is, I don't know if he's going to save us. Maybe we get burned, but whatever it is, we love him. We're not going to deny him. That's just how I feel about it. Uh, you know what? No matter what happens in the message, I'm convinced that there is no other truth. That there is no other place that I can go to. I, 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 you know, whatever may happen, this, a thousand here, there may fall. But I just say, this is the only place I can be. It's the only place that's going to bring me home. It's the love of God expressed to me. We love him because he first loved us. I love how he does that. And the prophet would bring, bring us to different places. Let's just go, just for a couple of scriptures. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Listen how Brother Branham says this. As I just read, from divine love and sovereign grace. One of the greatest hindrances that there is to the church today, and right here at Edmonton, he was just in Edmonton, <laughs> And he says, or not Edmonton, I didn't mean to say it, he was now moved to Prince Albert. But I, I like that he put Edmonton in there twice. One of the greatest hindrances to the church that is here in Edmonton, and I don't mean to say it, Prince Albert, he says, is fear. But perfect love casts out fear. You're fearful because the right temperance of love has not entered in yet. Oh, wow. I've got love, but the right part hasn't come in yet. Oh, I love it. I think there's room to grow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. And he says, when there's real love, all fear passes away. And he says, I don't know why, but sometimes something happens. Always when a healing, there's something that happens. A love comes in. It just takes everything out of the way. Brethren, you can have all the theology you want, but give me love every time. He'll actually go in another place. He says, you can have all the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church, but if I had to choose, give me divine love above all. Because if you have divine love, then you, have, then you can have gifts operating properly, not with just used to elevate and say, hey, hey, look at me. Look what I can do. No, that, that's not a gift operating properly. A gift operating properly is if the Lord should choose to use me, fine. If he chooses not, so be it. But I, I'm here to do whatever I can. Let's, let's just read here. Let's, I'm going to just go to verse 9 if you can uh, on, on, in Corinthians. This is a scripture that, that we've known very much. He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. And he says, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And this becomes the rallying cry 
okay, we don't need gifts, we don't need this because that which is perfect has come. Okay, but that's not the way he said it, actually. You, you want to read the quote. And he says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but I'm become a man, I've put away childish things, for we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I know even as also I am known. Now, if you read all of that and you strictly take it, you strictly take it in the context that many have used it in terms of revelation. But really, we know in part, one day we'll know fully. When will that be? When you've entered your theophany. And when you've entered your theophany, that's when you'll know in fullness. Now, I'll just, I won't read so much, I'll just try to share my last few thoughts. And he would say, Brother Branham was here, and I will say, he's lying on his bed, he's 52 years old, and he says, Lord, if I'm ever going to do anything for you, I better start soon. And while he's laying, would you like to see beyond the curtain of time? And he takes him up where all those theophanies are. And he says, what is this place? He says, perfection wouldn't touch it. It was sublime. It was beyond anything. And he says, here they come, young men in the brilliance of young manhood. Some of you young men, you're not even in the brilliance of young manhood. Only when you get over there will you have it. I'm saying that so that there's a little bit more of a level playing field for us, okay? Listen, he says, but over there, there was something, he says, now, there was no yesterday or tomorrow. I've never seen such pretty women. He says, perfection wouldn't touch it. Superb wouldn't touch it. Here comes his first wife, and here, and he's there, and he's looking back down. Why do I want to go back to that carcass again? Now, it's not an accident that we who follow this have come to this mountain and we can look and see some of the land that's ahead of us. This is ours. This is mine. This is what I want to come to. This is what I want to strive to. This is what I need to get to. And I heard a voice that was in the room. This is what you preached was the Holy Ghost. Now can you imagine this? He never even knew that this was the the, the finality or the, 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 the fullness of the Holy Ghost when it entered that theophany realm. But it was divine love. Have you ever seen it with somebody? You know, they just come to a place and they're, maybe it's their time and they're coming and there's something about them. I've just witnessed it a few times. How many here remember Sister Noreen Stewart? Sister Noreen would get up here and sing. She would just get lost in a song. I don't know if anybody sang Beulah Land like her. I remember Sister Noreen would sit on the, on the bench where you were, Sister Susan. We kind of sat behind her sometimes. The few months, maybe six months before she ever passed away, I witnessed she would be here earlier she would be kneeling and praying. There was something else that was going on. It was her time to come to perfection. Some sisters who knew her and went in a car with her would witness of things she said and say, oh, 
talking about another place, another dimension, another realm. Friends, it's real. And we're all coming. There's a, I believe we come to it incrementally, but we're all going to come to it in a final season where we're all going to come to perfect love. Because without perfect love, we will not enter there. Not one of us will. He didn't say, without the revelation of serpent seed, you won't enter there. That's not what it said. It said, without perfect love. And, and we, we will put a lot of effort into, into doing other things, but how much effort do we put into perfect love? And maybe even not just perfect love, but a little bit more love. Okay, here, I, I come a little short here. He said, now, there was, it takes perfect love to enter there. Listen to how he says it. There was no jealousy. In other words, if you're just holding a little something, I don't know why God gave that person a gift to sing, and I don't have it. I don't know why they don't call me to sing more specials. I've wondered that all my life, actually. Saying that to make you smile. Listen, he said, there was no jealousy. There was no tiredness. Oh, he says, like, you know what? And I, and I look at this now. I'm, I'm going to go back just for a moment. Go back to the first part of 1 Corinthians. Paul would say, though he spoke with tongues of men and angels, though I have the gift of prophecy and knowledge, though I remove mountains and have not charity, I have nothing. Though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, it profited me nothing. Go to, go to verse 4, Brother Mark. Now just, just, just read these few verses with me and we'll close. Charity suffers long. Charity is not emotion. It is not a put on. But charity holds the promise. Godly love. Lord, I, I don't see anything changing with my family, with my son, with my daughter, with this sickness. But Lord, I love you and I'm trusting in you. Charity suffers long. Charity is kind. Oh. Kind. Just polite. Just considering the other person. The opposite of, of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Where it's self-centered. It's all about what I can do and what I can gain and what I have. What a miserable existence. But charity is kind. It doesn't envy. Well, here, there's a little bit of a contradiction here because the Bible says, desire earnestly the best gifts. And I thought, man, okay, I won't go down what I desire. But I, I just thought, sometimes you marvel at how God uses somebody. And you think, God, maybe I'll never attain to that, but give me a little bit more of what they got. And maybe it's not the talent, but maybe it's the way they do it. Maybe it's the way they carry themselves. Maybe it's the way they express themselves. I, I, I think we could all do better with the gift we have and say, Lord, you've given the gift. Now, Lord, help me to leave it in your hands and help me to maybe just pray a little bit more. Maybe wait on you a little bit more. Maybe, Lord, before I come to minister, let me, let me just labor a little bit more. Let me just pray uh, for everyone. Maybe before I sing. Maybe before I come and sit down in a church and participate. Maybe 
just a little more sacredness, that it's you that we need to see in our midst. Charity vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. You know, I think, how many members, Brother John Ogu came here years ago, and Brother John, he brought a loaf of bread up here, and he said, you know, this loaf of bread has got yeast in it, and yeast makes it puffy. And he says, but if you take the yeast out of it, and he slammed his fist on it, and it was about this thick, that's what it would be. And he says, it's not puffed up. <laughs> it was a good example at the moment. Listen, he says, it does not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. What was in Philip the day he was at a revival and everybody was going and God said, leave the revival, leave the song service, leave the blessing and go down and speak to this Ethiopian eunuch. And he says, oh, I'll do that for you, Lord. We, we, let's, let's, not, let's be in service for him. It does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. Okay, just take these for what they are. Thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. When you find yourself so in love with God and you're find yourself in love with, with, with people and you find yourself, that's, that's a wonderful place to be. Let me just read this as we, we come. Only perfect love can enter into that place. Brother Branham, let's, listen, just have the musicians come. We're, we're done. And he says, now he says, this is Hebrews chapter six, and he says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. What a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. They said, that's a very good song, Billy, but it won't put you up in here in a graveyard. He's talking about, do you have insurance? And he said, I've got assurance. And he says, yeah, it won't put me in, but it'll take me out. That's the main thing, he says. And since I have this assurance by the sworn God of eternity that he will raise me up again in the likeness of his son. I'll walk boldly and have a consolation and an anchor of the soul that while I'm in this veil, something has got me anchored against the rock of ages yonder. When the waters jump and blast, it doesn't make any difference. If death, if perils or anything separates us not from the love of God, my anchor holds within the veil. Let the floods rise, let her dash, let infidels come. The born-again believer has an anchor. You can't see through this veil yet, but I know my anchor holds against the rock of ages. He will raise me up at the last day. Oh, it's, it's, it's a huge dividend to be found in him. Let's stand together. Maybe we'll just sing a chorus. There's a song that you sing, Brother Dan. Where are you? I am your child. Can you sing that for us? I, I've always liked it when you sang that. I thought of you when I saw you leading songs. 
I am your child. Lord Jesus, I am your child. 